welcome to episode 38 of the Power Vax. I'm your, your I'm your host, Scott Jenkins. With me is Sylvia Wasner. Hello, Sylvie. Hello, Scotty. And hello also to you, Brendan Curtin. How are you two? How are we going today? Oh yeah. Oh yeah. <laughs> this, this is the Australian podcast. <laughs> oh yeah. Not bad. Yeah, nah. Nah, yeah. That's pretty much the show. We could just stop there and just stretch it out for 50 minutes. Yeah, see you all next time. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think I think, I think, think in the meantime, I think we should probably talk about a little bit uh, about the Xbox. All right. Oh, yeah? <laughs> I suppose. All right. Let's go ahead and let's talk about uh, what we've been playing. Alright, so the first game I played is uh, released uh, Scorn. Scorn is a first-person horror survival puzzle game uh, developed by Ebb Software, released for PC and Xbox Series consoles. Right off the start, the game's splash screen shows what the visual style is going to be, with a decayed corpse on the floor wrapped around in tentacles. As soon as you press the start button, the camera pans slowly towards the face twitching, the eye opens and quick fade to black. Game reveals that you were the corpse trying to break out of the vines, slowly crawling out of with flashbacks to a desert scenario before you fall down a cavern. After that, you wake up and try and stand up. Then you're able to move uh, standard FPS controls. The intro doesn't give any really anything towards what the game is about. As you're walking through the dark thing corridor, I'm taken in by the HK Giga biomechanical visual style and emerge a when I'm going through, emerge to a winding pillar. Uh, Squeezing through the first open door you see, the next room is locked by a folding gate. Uh, Going around, looking around, I notice a station with a tube hanging out of it, highlighted by a white lantern, so it's telling me I need to go there. When I get to it, the character puts their left hand into it, gets stabbed, and emerges with a contraption inside their arm, complete with a spike on the back of their hand. Uh, This allows you to operate the other station to be able to place both your hands to be able to control it and open the gate for you to quickly go into because it'll close behind you. Uh, and that's pretty much how this game operates. Uh, you go around, uh, you go around through the environment solving puzzles. So really you get to a thing that the game highlights in white, try and work out what that thing does, fail, rinse, repeat. That first section with the winding pillar uh, has a door with two separate switches as you need to be able to operate at the same time. Now, this is not a multiplayer game, so obviously you can't do it with two people. So I'm just walking around, looking at every wall, flipping every switch that I can find, um, seeing what they do. Uh, this takes me up to the top where I see a station that operates a crane that when operated latches onto nothing. Uh, and next to that, there's another station used to move a sort of a, one of those elaborate sliding puzzles to move a basic egg. Took me a while to get through the puzzle. Uh, once that's done, Crane picks it up and puts it into a conveyor belt. Then once the egg goes down to the conveyor belt, I go in and check that there's a little squished person inside that tiny container. Uh, I then I then get to push this little person through the track like a baby in a pram. Um, just going through the At the end of the place, at the end of the track, it's pushed into a machine that tries to scoop it out of the container, but ends up killing it and severing its arm. You then proceed to pick up the arm to go and use it to go back to open the two switches to open that initial door. Uh, But no, wait, that severed arm doesn't have a spike in it, so you need to look around again to try and find another station to be able to put that severed arm into and get the spike on it. Um, Once I get that, let's go to the other station, leave that severed arm in the spike and operate the second station by myself and get through the door. Then after exploring for a bit, I come around to what seems like the first weapon in the game. But as I pick up the game, it's pressed against my chest. So to me, like with every other first-person shooter, it signals to me that there's no ammo inside of it. Like, you know, so you hold it to yourself, like, say, Call of Duty. Uh, and then uh, once I got that weapon, all came around these floating orb creatures that blow stream uh, when I'm trying to get through a certain path. Um thinking, you know, I didn't have any ammo in that to try to get through. Uh, unfortunately, that did kill me uh, for the first time. 
What I didn't realize was that the actual weapon is a melee weapon. And the way it works is that you hold the left trigger to prime it, just sort of scope it in, and then pushing the right trigger just spouts out a little stump. Uh, sort of like, uh, you know, the alien tongue in the alien movies, funny enough. Uh, and you just use that to go ahead and get those glowing orbs. Uh, the game is like this throughout. You have... Um, uh, you have these all these bigger puzzles that are connect, interconnected to smaller puzzles that need to be completed. So, some examples like you got a puzzle that you got a you know, sort of like a um, a drill bit to go through and work through what sections they got to go into. Some of those sections are moving, so you got to make sure you time it right to click it in. Once you get the three of them in, you get you then take the drill bit out. You got to do those four times to do those four times to open up this other section that sort of works like a sort of a key tumble. To kind of try and unlock, and then once that's uh, once that's and that unlocks sort of the bigger puzzle. Um, so basically, this game is split up into five acts. Uh, the first two acts act like sort of introduction to get through the puzzles. Um, so there's no real immediate danger. When you get to the third act, that's when the game introduces enemies uh, that you need to kill. The first sort of enemy is just a little slug things that take about five hits to kill with the current melee weapon. Uh, these are very annoying as they have a projectile cat, whereas I've only got that melee weapon with a little, little alien stump tongue thing. Uh, not really easy to move around. Um, you're quite slow. To, quite slow. There's no, there's no like quick. You, you can't jump or dash. Uh, I ended up having to circle uh, to get some. I had to circle straight around, sort of a, get them behind a little pillar and sort of circle straight from around to try and avoid their attacks. And then when they try and attack, go in, get them in. Uh, so, yeah, so play, playing through, and every so often you have these, um, as you go, every so you have these little cutscenes, um, and you sort of like you're looking down on, on your torso, and these, these, somehow you've got these other two arms, um, that you're trying to rip out your intestines. Uh, this is unavoidable, and it takes out, it's annoying because it takes out a unit of health. You do have a ability to restore your health, uh, via the store cache that you keep around. These, these can be recharged at a recharging station. But those stations can only be used once. Uh, you can't just, they don't recharge again. Very annoying. Uh, this also applies to the first range weapon that you get. Uh, this one first acts like a pistol. It's, you recharge this uh, via the same station again, you do as your health. So you recharge it once, that station is no longer be able to use. Uh, the pistol works well. Fair enough, but it's very slow and very slow to reload. Uh, I tend to find I struggled, I really did struggle whether to use the melee attack or the pistol. Um, this uh, visualize is a very impressive game. Uh, runs really well, solid 60 frames a second. Um, so as I said before, it's based around sort of the Giga, Giga uh, biomechanical bio, bio meme. Uh, cold mechanical structures with coal bodies lying around the place, just slowing around. I'll be I'll be honest. Like I'm normally I I I I'm not that squeamish. I can ha I can handle violence within games, but this one did get a bit to me. I don't know if it was because of the frame of the frame and it, the motion blur. I turned it off. To ended up having to turn off the motion blur. Didn't know if that that seemed to help a bit. Um, um, but yeah, it just really did. Really did, did like sick, sick to my stomach. I'd say. Um, sort of final thoughts. I did like the puzzle elements of the game. Uh, some of them are need quite quite clever. You know, trying to have that all interconnected. Uh, combat itself very rigid, sort of hard to navigate around the places. Doesn't really doesn't really explain how what you're supposed to do. It's sort of like it is a linear linear path sort of game, but it's it would have been really handy to sort of have like sort of a map system just to see where you've been. You sort of everything sort of looks similar and sort of hard to navigate where have i been sort of you sort of have to guess where you've gone um there is a checkpoint system uh but it's the checkpoints are far far apart i did have to uh, if you die i did have to read when i died i did have to repeat uh certain puzzles uh like big puzzles I just have to do again um and there's no manual saves unfortunately um yeah, last nitpick, uh, the run button is on, when you're playing on the Xbox, the run button is on the left bumper. Uh, probably would have preferred if I could just click in the right stick, but there's no way you can actually change the um, the controls on the game, which is very annoying. Uh, it's on Game Pass now. Um, 
if you like, yeah, I'd say give it a try on Game Pass, but I don't know if it'd be a recommendation to actually purchase the full game. And that's my thoughts on Scorn. Interesting. It's it's we we're talking about a little bit about before the show, looking through and what we played and stuff, and yeah, it's disappointing because I feel like from everything I saw, there was a lot of potential to make it this weird, creepy game and do something unique. And it just sounds like it just faltered pretty hard, like from the get go. Like this, the aesthetic is cool, but yeah, just everything else is just yeah. It's actually really yeah. you end up waking. No. There's an, another section where you end up waking up in in the actual desert, and it's just a vast desert. And it's just all you're just doing is walking, trying to get around, sort of like a sort sort of a clear path, and it's just like. The amount of detail they put into it, it's like, wow, you know, this is like all these sort of debris and the terraforming. It really is stunning what they've done with this sort of game where they've sort of like this, okay, this is really a puzzle sort of action game. But it's just uh, some of the pu- some of the puzzles are good, some of them, yeah, and the combat's just not really that flash. Oh, that's a shame. All right, Sylvie, you've gone ahead and uh, you've been playing um, some DLC for Resident Evil 8. How's that going? Yeah, so um, I think I talked about Resident Evil Village on here uh, a while ago. So the base game is one of my favorite all-time games. Top five, easily. Um, Absolutely adored it. Uh, I won't go too heavy in the thoughts, but it was an interesting exploration and homage to Resident Evil 4 while also exploring different genres of horror. Paying homage to, like, vampire stuff, um, werewolves, Frankenstein, all sorts of different tropes in horror media. And I thought it did a really fun job of it. It's not a particularly scary game, except for one small part of it, but I had high hopes for um, the Steel scene. Because more of Resident Evil Village, who can complain? Uh, so Shadow of Rose comes in what's called the Winter's Expansion, which includes a third-person camera for the main game. Uh, some more... I think it's the Missionaries? The um, It's like an arcade time attack, score attack mode. Uh, so you can play as Lady Domotresque, or however you say it. And I think it's, um, oh, what's his name? Heisenberg? It's been a while since I've played it, so I might get the names wrong. But the, um, the main draw for this expansion is a whole new chapter called Shadow of Rose, which has you playing as Rose Winters, the daughter of Ethan Winters, who you played as in the main story. Unfortunately, I'm going to have to spoil the ending of the the main story of Village to really explain the plot of this one. So at the end of Village, spoilers incoming, uh, Ethan dies saving her daughter, his daughter, sorry, uh, Rose, infant Rose. So she's never really met her father. And this story takes place 16 years after that ending, where because of Ethan's condition of being sort of dead, sort of alive because of the um, the mold that you see in Resident Evil 7 and 8. So Rose has some very peculiar properties, including powers, although it's not really shown what those powers are in the real world. Uh, they are explored in this, they call I think the realm of consciousness. So you're, as Rose exploring what's left of this mega my seat, which is kind of like a hive mind of the mold and everyone who's come in contact and died near the mold to kind of, how do you say, assimilate into it. Uh, and she's doing this to get rid of her powers. Um, so there's a MacGuffin, there's a crystal somewhere that can get rid of her powers that can kind of purify her body. Unfortunately, from here on out, the rest of the game is just a retread of the original village game. Not entirely, but enough. Um, It has you exploring the castle, 
it's recontextualized and is a new puzzle, but if you remember the layout of the past, uh, the castle from the main game, then there's no surprises here. The ghost house or the doll house that you go to is also reimagined here. It's a lot better than the castle, but at the end of the day, you go in expecting those frights because in the base game, that house is the scariest part of the game. And it's the same thing here as well. Uh, different kind of scares, but still scares. Uh, and I feel like it kind of ruins it when you're expecting it. That's just me though. As, from a horror perspective, I didn't feel too creeped out. Still creeped out. Um, and then stuff happens. I guess the rest of it's all really just spoilers. Uh, all you really get in the game is a pistol and a shotgun. There is inventory management, but you'll never actually have to manage inventory. The only real unique thing about this is that Rose, with these powers that I explained, um, there's parts of the game that require you to find, like you'll have barriers and Rose's powers let her kind of destroy the barriers, but only from a particular point. Uh, and they say that it wraps up the story of uh, the winters, but I feel like it doesn't. I feel like it's going to continue, whether in Resident Evil 9, if we ever see one, or if we see it just in the background somewhere. But uh, overall, it's fine. I don't regret having paid for it and played it, but I don't know. I was just expecting a little more. Um, I am also replaying the base game in third person view, just because it's unique, and I just like the way that they hide Ethan's face whenever you try to turn the camera. Oh, really? Yeah, he'll turn away. <laughs> <laughs> but everyone knows what he looks like. I don't know why they're doing that, but I also really like that they're doing that. It's just commitment to the bit. Um, I'd say wait until it goes on sale or get the gold edition, which has the base game and the all the DLC wrapped in a bundle if you can get that for a good price at least i'd say if you've already played resident evil village and are looking forward to this you could probably just watch some cutscenes on youtube unless you really want to play it i just don't know if it's worth that price tag i think it's 30 australian dollars um but you do get that extra stuff in the mercenaries and yeah mercenaries not missionaries that's something very different mercenaries um and i'm just replaying the base game just to play it in third person because it's a unique perspective nice yeah i've um i just only recently started uh resident evil 2 yeah the remake because i've never actually played any of like the resident evil 2 or 3 remakes um i like it i like it um, i'm only up to into the police station and um, basically gotten sort of the all three initial keys to get into sort of the basement. Uh, but yeah, but what, from what I've played, like it's the, the intention to teach us from the, like it, it's like very modernized, you know, um, which, which is appreciative, but it's still interesting how they've sort of gone ahead and sort of used the base Resident Evil 2 game. Um, yeah. I've never played the base game look it was is it is amazing for its time um but it's just one of one sort of one of those games the i, I imagine the remakes just probably just easier really easier to get to into like i'm re i'm really i'm yeah. you really have a nostalgia for it um yeah i i would probably still just play resident evil 2 um and also i've also got three as well yeah three remake from the perspective of someone who hasn't played the originals Three remakes, fine. Um, but even I wish that, like, I played through that and then found out what they left out, and I'm like, yeah, okay, I can see why people are upset at this. But two is fantastic, and I believe the same team is doing Resident Evil Four remake, which comes out next year. So I got high hopes for that one because, honestly, I don't think Resident Evil Four really holds up. 
I don't, I didn't have a great time with it. Um, I liked it overall, but there were so many frustrating moments in it that I just wanted to quit playing. Definitely, yeah, definitely more easier to get into than Resident Evil 2, original Resident Evil 2. Uh, but I can, under, yeah, I can definitely understand those frustrations. Uh, and I'm, yeah, I'm also quite keen to play the remake on that. On 4? Yeah, I'm sorry, 4, yes, yeah, sorry. Yeah. Um, now, Brendan, you've been going ahead and you've um, played a bit of Deathloop, which is now released for the Xbox consoles. How's that going for you? It's going well. Um, I haven't played in a little bit, but um, when it released on to Game Pass, I was like, cool, I'm going to give this a try. And it's on the cloud as well. So I thought, you know what, screw it. Let's give it a try. It was, I was sitting there like 8 o'clock one night. We just put the kids to bed. And I was like, I'm going to give it a crack. And it is great. Um, it caught my attention when it first got announced for um, PlayStation. It was going to be a PlayStation exclusive. Um, I love the idea. I love the aesthetic. I love the concepts of it all. Um, and now finally getting a chance to play it. I'm really happy with it. Um, have you guys had a chance to play it at all? Yeah, I've played uh, a couple of chapters in. Yeah, so I'm pretty much the same. Like I haven't finished it. I'm going to guess I'm probably about maybe just over halfway through. Um, but I really love the sort of freeform design of it in that, okay, you can go to the different areas and you can, um, collect all your information and stuff like that for the next loop, or you can just try and take everyone out. You can go stealth, you can go, um, guns blazing. Like they, they do give you a lot of, a lot of choice, I feel, um, in how you want to tackle a situation. Um, and I love the fact that stuff does carry over through loops. So essentially, I, I guess I should explain it if you don't know. So you're stuck in a time loop of one day. You play as, um, I don't know the dude's last name, but his name's Colt. Um, he's your main character. And you have to kill eight visionaries. Um, the visionaries are who control the island that you're on in this time loop. You got to kill all eight of them to break the loop. So they make it pretty clear straight off the bat, like you're not going to get this done on the first loop. Um, as much as you try, there's no way you'll be able to. Um, so the idea is that you go through the loops every day. There's four different sections of this map. Um, when you visit a section, that's one quarter of the day. So it's like morning, noon, evening, and night. So if you get all the way to the end of the night and you haven't killed all eight visionaries, you get set back to the beginning of the day. Um, but you get to retain information. So if you find out like a combination to a safe, for example, you'll retain that on the next loop. So the idea is that you're pretty weak to begin with, like you can still survive pretty well, but um, like you get better weapons, you can uh, save weapons on loops as well. Um, so the idea is you're becoming stronger each time you go through the loop. Um, but it's fantastic. I love I love the, the gameplay loop of it all. Um, and even when you do die, for example, in a loop, um, you get to go, you just go back to the beginning. So it's not really that much of a... Um, of a loss. Um, but yeah, I, I think it's fantastic. Um, I, yeah, like I said, I'm probably maybe about just halfway through, um, but it still feels like I've got heaps to go. Uh, like there's still things I haven't discovered. There's still characters I haven't met yet. Um, like visionaries I haven't met. Um, going to different sections during the day as well. Like, so say you go somewhere in the morning, um, it might be different than when you go to say going there in the evening. Like there might be different guards. Um, some things might be unlocked. Some things might be locked. So it, it's interesting in that like, even if you do visit the sections at different times of the day, it's not the same. It's always, there's always going to be some sort of tiny difference. Um, so it does keep it interesting. And so I, I'm enjoying the the game as a whole. Um, I'm enjoying the puzzle aspect of it. It's like, okay, well, how do I take out all eight during the day? Um, and they do give you opportunities. Like I found a letter, for example, that says, okay, these two visionaries meet up. They're having like a, a relationship and they meet up at this specific time of the day. So you can take out potentially, um, three visionaries in one area during the day. Um, if you go to this section when they're meant to be there. Um, so finding little bits and pieces like that really helps make the game feel alive and like that it's like a, like a, an existing living, breathing world. Um, I love the weapons in it as well. 
Um, and the fact that you, you've got options there as well. So like you can stealth it with like a knife and uh, a nail gun, or you can go in with a shotgun and like, you know, uh, grenades and stuff like that. Um, yeah, I, 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 I really dig it. I really, 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 really dig it. Um, yeah, that, that's pretty much all I got to say about it. I want, I want to keep playing on it. Um, and playing on the cloud as well has been fantastic as well. I, I thought I would have to actually install the game. Um, cause I think we we're talking about it last episode, uh, my experience with the cloud and things that aren't too intensive, um, have been pretty good with the cloud. Um, and same thing with this, like there's a lot of moving parts and especially when action begins to happen, I thought the console and the internet would just chug along and it would just die. Um, but it's been pretty good. Um, I've only had maybe one or two times when I booted it up where it's gone. Sorry, it's the, the cloud's not working at the moment. Try again later. But apart from that, it's been a really fun, smooth experience. Awesome. Yeah, so def- definitely it's on Xbox Game Pass. Yeah, I think it's been on PC for a while maybe with the Game Pass. I don't know. Not that long. Not that long? Because it was a PlayStation exclusive. Oh, okay, well, that'd be it then. Yeah, so it's been on PC for a while, but not Game Pass. The next game that I played uh, was Tinykin. Tinykin is a 3D platformer developed by Splash Team and published by Tiny Build. And it is the perfect cleanser to scorn. <laughs> uh, <laughs> yeah, you play as uh, Milo Dane, an archaeologist and researcher from the most prestigious university living on the planet Aegis, shining with life. But our heroes concluded that humans didn't originate from Aegis, but from somewhere else. So we set so we set off and land on Earth in I believe 1991. The problem is though that Age Milodane is the size of an ant. Um, you then greeted when you start the game. You're greeted by a moth individual named Rim, Ridme who tells you to follow them. This starts you off the introduction level, telling you how to jump. Uh, you've got a glide functionality with the bubble glider. You just hold the hold the jump button, able to glide. Uh, as you're going through, it tells you to jump here and here and here. You then see some gummy drops on the next platform. When you get to those, you're introduced to what's called Tinykins uh, through a very cute um, animation. These effectively act like Pinkman from the Pinkman series. So the first ones are, that you encounter are the pink Tinykin. Uh, you use these to throw, you throw, throw these at objects with a certain amount of them to more they'll carry. So the first object that I had to move is a file vase that needs 40, 30 tiny kins to move. Uh, I'm sort of in a back room with uh, suitcases around and bits of wool strung around for me to climb up. Uh, also drums and tambourines that I'm able to get, jump on as a sort of a jumping point. Uh, after I get the 30 tiny kins to move the vase, I enter the vent. It, it was blocking and retrieve a set of scuba goggles to take it to the crystal workshop. And this is sort of acts as your hub world. Uh, here it's revealed that there is a god named Ardwen who lived in the house. Uh, they left and they left plans to construct a device to go beyond the house. This is done by gathering items to build the device. So the first item I've got was a set of goggles. The rest of them are a funnel, a yo-yo, a little analog stick from a video game controller, a pair of scissors, and a little stick flag. You also, apparently you also had a soap board, but it got broken, but Ridme has uh, found a replacement, which is a bar of soap. So you, you go around, use this as sort of a skateboard to go around faster around the place with the right bumper. And you also, it's also used to um, go up these, um, float up um, these um, bit strings made of web made by these moth assistants that are all around the place. Uh, Ridme then tells, gives me a key to open the door and start the first level, the city of Sancta. So each level each level is set to is set to get one of the missing components, big open rooms to explore. The first one is sort of like a um, sort of a bedroom. This is done by completing a main objective, uh, guided by sort of the bug inhabitants of the level. Uh, the first level objective is to broadcast a religious hymn to the religious bugs in the room. Um, they say this is done by using the large circle key with the tower at the top. Uh, what this is, the, this is putting the uh, big CD into the CD player. Uh, the movement is sort of fluid, able to get around uh, faster with the soap board. You have right analog to move around, just easy enough to jump around. Uh, gliding ability is easy to maneuver. 
The next set of tiny kins that it could encounter are red. These ones are bombs and used to blow up uh, wooden pages blocking your paths. Uh, as you go along, you'll there are additional ones. Uh, there are green ones that form towers that you shoot at top of each other that you're able to climb. So if you've got a really high ledge, you can jump up and climb up it and jump on. Uh, you've got blue ones that allow you to redirect electricity in certain sections. And then you've also got yellow ones that allow you to make bridges. Along the way, you'll um, this is sort of a collectathon. Uh, along the way, you'll collect uh, bits of pollen. Uh, I initially thought these looked like uh, bits of popcorns. And they actually come in various si sizes. Uh, you've, you, the level, each section has got a set amount that they've got. So the first level had 1,600 bits of them. Uh, the first set 1,000 allows you to unlock an additional bubble, bubble for extra glide time. And the extra 600 is just for a, a level completion. You also have side quests that you can do within these levels, some uh, to progress to help you progress to the main quest, uh, others to lock more pollen or artifact collectibles. Uh, some of the side quests include uh, placing a fallen key back into a piano, uh, posting letters into the letterbox, getting evidence of a monster by taking a Polaroid snapshot of a stuffed teddy bear, and collecting pieces of a frog skeleton. Exciting. Um, there are... Enemy-wise, there are no enemies to fight in the game. You still have dangers uh, that you that face you. You've got um, if you you don't have um, infinite health when you fall down, hit the ground, use the glide fisher to straighten yourself out. Um, and also, standing in water apparently uh, kills you, which is odd. Uh, thankfully, this game uh, it just respawns you uh, really close to where you originally died. Um, so easy enough to get through and you can do a manual save. Thank you very much. Oh, I was missing that from Scorn. Uh, menus are pretty much straightforward. Uh, when you go through showing you what in, how many items you, you've collected throughout the levels, that sort of thing. Uh, visual wise, nice cheery visuals. I would say it's the paper Mario aesthetic, uh, 2d characters, um, in a 3d environment, 2d sort of like you, you sort of characters sort of always facing you so moving back and forth and left and right uh the environments themselves are pretty fun you've got stuff like the books around the place that you climb on vhs tapes skateboards you know plants uh and then you've also got these um insects that have created their own sort of cultures within each section the sort of the first section sort of like there's a religious cult um that you have to go through and play the cd so that they all give you the first um the funnel and then you've also got, the, I believe, the next section. That's right. You have to, um, on there are bugs that are guarding a key. And you have to go ahead and find the key and unlock that. And then once you unlock that, they all get scared and run away. Um, uh, final thoughts. Uh, I found this game is really easy to pick up and play. Uh, it's a big collectathon, sort of Banjo-Kazooie, Donkey Kong 64. Uh, massive environments uh, that, as I said, are really easy to move around in. So, yeah, those are my thoughts on Tinykin. Uh, that's also on Xbox Game Pass. So, Brendan, you've been playing a bit of uh, Left 4 Dead 2. How's that going for you? It's going really well. Um, I didn't know whether to include this because um, technically most people would think that Left 4 Dead 2 is a PC game, which it is, but I'm claiming technicality here because it was on the Xbox 360. It's, it's on the Xbox 360, and I believe it's backwards compatible. Yeah, it wouldn't surprise me. Um, so, yeah, I feel like it's... Um, acceptable here but it's really good like i forgot how good it was like i wanted to play it for ages and uh one of my mates we went away on a like a boys weekend recently and we we're talking about it in the car i was like man i really want to play left for dead 2 he's like yeah me too so we got back and we installed the game and been playing a few matches here and there and it is so good like even still after all these years it still holds up so well and all i could think of the whole time was when we played back for blood a while ago and I was thinking about, like, how how do you screw up, um, like, Left 4 Dead's gameplay so badly? Well, I, I shouldn't even say it was bad because it was still a functioning game. But just, I don't know, there's so much simplicity to Left 4 Dead 2. Like, literally, you just drop in, you get, the, you get your guns and stuff, and you go on your way. Like, that's it. And I'm thinking about how much bloat there was and extra stuff in Back for Blood there was that just, I don't know, didn't feel like it added anything to the game. Um, I, I think we all had the same general complaints when we played it and we had that discussion right after our, our game. But um, 
yeah, it was just crazy to me. Like the, the it was so it's so charming still as a game like Left 4 Dead 2 in that like yep, it's got all of Left 4 Dead 1 in it now and just just running through like the uh, the couple of campaigns I've played so far and I'm just like I just want to play more. Um yeah, and I I'm just surprised no one else has just gone, you know, what well, let's just do this but you know, our own take on it, like just keeping the simplicity. Cuz I feel like the problem with Back for Blood and the other games that have come out that are like a Left 4 Dead style game is that they have to reinvent the wheel when it's not the case. It's just do this, but, you know, um, make it your own in a sense. Don't add anything extra. Just just make it a fun game that's just simple to play and pick up. Um, but I, I don't think Left 4 Dead 2 is going to be top for ages. Um, like, when was the last time you guys played it it would, it would have been i imagine before we played back for blood i've um i've never actually played any of the left for dead games really no really no um we got to change that is they're worth having a crack like uh, i think they're pretty they're always on sale oh, on I've, 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 oh don't worry i've got it i've got it on i've got it on steam i just haven't played it yet so yeah i'm just having a look um now though i'm just looking on in steam Left 4 Dead 2 is 1450. Left 4 Dead is 1450. But it's worth buying Left 4 Dead 2 because it's got all of Left 4 Dead 1 in it. Um, and then there's, the, oh, there's DLC. Left 4 Dead 2 DLC to, to um, uncensor it. I'm going to download that now. Um, yeah, because uh, that's the only problem I got with Left 4 Dead 2 is that if you don't have this DLC, um, it. Uh, is a heavily censored version of the game. So there's no dismemberment of blood or anything like that. Zombies just get shot and fall on the ground. That's about it. Um, But yeah, it's absolutely worth playing, Scotty. Like if you ever want to play, and same with you, Sylvia, I'm down to play. Yeah, it's so much fun. It's, to me, top-tier co-op gameplay. Nothing really beats it. Absolutely. And the fact that, like, um, like when we played, I played on the, the past Monday night, um, and I was playing with my mate and we we're, were having a good chat and everything. And like we played, uh, the no mercy level, the hospital one that everyone remembers. And like yeah. within the first like two minutes, there was already a witch and we're like, what the hell? <laughs> the fact <laughs> that the game, like you play the, you could play the same campaign a hundred times over and you'll get a different experience each time. Um, like I love the, how they worked it. So if you're doing really well, like the, AI starts throwing you more stuff. It gives you less ammo and that to play around with. But as soon as you start struggling, it's like, all right, well, cool. We're going to make it easier for you. Like, I love that. Yeah. Well, that's like one of the highlights of Left 4 Dead 2 is how dynamic it is. Absolutely. Uh, um, if people don't know that they, they have an AI running the game called the director and it will, it has ways of measuring player stress by, how they're acting in game and it will try to compound that stress. <laughs> yeah. Um, and it like, it's what's in control of spawning the zombies and the special infected. And it really does feel like there is some invisible force trying to mess with you specifically sometimes. Yeah, absolutely. Like that, you know, like you, you're like, Oh, this is great. I'm doing really well. We're blasting through zombies. And then all of a sudden a tank just comes out of nowhere and like sidelines you with one hit you didn't even know it was coming you know um stuff like that just makes it so much fun um and just yeah like i said just every time you play the camp like a campaign it's a different experience like you'll never get the same experience twice with it exactly so scotty if you if you're keen for it let's play <laughs> that's that's pretty much the point we're hitting at here yes yeah, yeah, so I, yeah. I yeah no i've just, I gotta get a setup so i'm very keen for it uh, will be for PC though, because having a look here, it is back- backwards compatible with the Xbox. However, you cannot buy it digitally. It looks like it's only a physical. Uh, yeah. And those are the games that are pretty high price and resale value at the moment. That's a shame, but because um, Valve was pretty in on doing stuff on console for a while there, um, back in the day. Like, I remember when. Um, uh, the, the 360 area area the era I meant to say um, came about and the orange box came out for PC uh, PS3 and Xbox 360 and that was great 
Um, but then it just didn't go anywhere because I know with Team Fortress 2, like it was getting constantly updated on PC and then um, they couldn't do the same thing on, I think, I know Xbox had a pretty hard stance against it at the time. Like, like no, no free updates. Any, any updates need to be paid for, blah, blah, blah. And so Valve was like, all right, no worries. We'll just go to PC then. Um, and then, yeah, like Left 4 Dead 2 and Left 4 Dead were the same, I think. Like they were adding free stuff to the game for a while and same thing. Microsoft was pretty adamant. No, you can't do it like this. It has to be paid for. Um, but that was in the early days of the like Xbox Live and Marketplace and the 360. Um, I imagine though, in, in this day and age, if they did the same thing, the tune would probably be a little bit different with who's running the Xbox division now. Yeah, yeah, because you've got um, you've now got uh, the Portal Collection on Switch. Yeah, which like is great. Um, but that's another one of those things. Like I, I didn't think I, that would happen, and they just went, "Oh yeah, no, here it is." Yeah, I'll, I'll definitely buy Portal again. Why not? What have I got to lose? Yeah. Just switch storage space. Yeah, that's, yeah my fridge is full again. <laughs> that still blows my mind. Like They're like, oh, it's just like the fridge. you got to clean the fridge out every now and again. It's like, yeah, but just give me more space. I don't care. Give me a bigger fridge. That's all I want. Just don't get that, um, that's, that small Xbox actual fridge. <laughs> Can you actually buy those? Yeah. They're not good. Is it, they're not good? Like, any reason why? The coolers. But, they're always on. Ah, uh, okay. Okay, um, so it's it's basically like a, if you had a can of drink or something, you could put it in there, but it's not an actual fridge. Okay. Well, the funny thing is, is that the uh, shelves in that little fridge aren't even tall enough to put an Australian can of Coke in, so... <laughs> so you just got to... You got to take the shelves out then, or... Either take the sh- shelves out or lay them all down, and you can't even fit two side by side properly. So, oh my goodness, okay. yeah, it's don't get them. It's just a cash grab. Yeah, yeah. But you know what? It's one of those things as well. People are just gonna be like, "I'm buying one." Like, why? And it's like, well, because it's it's funny. Like, I'm doing it for the meme. And then you got this new fridge sitting there and it's like, great. You just got a, a tiny little Xbox fridge that doesn't do exactly what you want it. Oh, man. But yeah, Left 4 Dead 2. Uh, play it. <laughs> yeah. Yep. Definitely will be doing that. All right. Um, last thing, we sort of like to have a little bit of a fun topic we like to discuss towards the end. Um, just thinking uh, before... Music is a big part of um, what goes into all our media, you know, movies, uh, definitely video games. And we just thought, you know, what would probably be the, what would be our favorite tracks or favorite songs um, from genre games that um, we all enjoy um, from any system that you want? Um, I'll start with you, Brendan. What's your favorite one? I feel like a few of us here are going to have the same answers. Um, and I guess what was sort of kickstarted this is we we're talking before the show. It's like, all right, what news has happened? And um, just to sort of, um, you know, peel back the curtain a bit, we were going to talk about the Mick Gordon thing. We've decided, no, it's just going to be too aggressive and too upsetting. So let's leave that. Um, but a lot of Mick Gordon stuff is um, fantastic. Like I love his Doom soundtracks, obviously. Um, and like that Killer Instinct soundtrack as well is fantastic. Um, so pretty much anything Mick Gordon touches, I'm, I'm there for. Um, but yeah, I really love like in terms of like stuff I've heard recently, um, the No More Heroes 3 soundtrack, cause now that's on Xbox too. So I feel like that, that ties back in with everything here, but, um, No More Heroes 3 soundtrack, they even all the No More Heroes soundtracks are fantastic. I love those soundtracks. They're one of those um, albums that I've got downloaded that I just listen to on the train home from work sometimes because I'm like, yeah, this is great. Um, a lot of Nintendo stuff, obviously, like I, I, and Mega Man. Um, yeah, just uh, all that stuff. Like all the old school Nintendo stuff, like I still am into. Um, Donkey Kong Country. Man, Donkey Kong Country soundtrack I could listen to forever. I'm a big, I'm a big Mega Man fan. Uh, my favorite soundtrack is Mega Man Three, uh, from that, and Sparkman is my favorite song. Good choice. Um, recent wise, I'd probably say Yakuza Like a Dragon. 
Is that one of the ones I've got? Oh, that's one on my Spotify playlist. Um, also, um, the original Super Meat Boy. Like that is a game. That is a game that shows to you how integral the music is to a game. Oh yeah. Uh, how about you, Sylvie? Well, this is a game that I'll never shut up about called Jet Set Radio Future. <laughs> this game, Jet Set Radio. Have you talked about this before? Uh, maybe once or twice. Ah, <laughs> uh, so the music for that game was more of a. It wasn't written for the game specifically. I mean, a lot of it was, but a lot of it was also just music that already existed from a variety of different artists. Very. It's this weird space of hip hop, alternate rock, and funk. It just works really well for the setting um on top of that obviously doom doom eternal some of my favorite soundtracks in a game of all time but one game that i keep coming back to for the soundtrack is this game called ruiner it's another game where the music wasn't made for the game but it's still it, it still suits the the setting incredibly well uh it's a genre i, I believe they called witch house which is just kind of this, it's a mix between trip-hop and just eerie sounds. If you've listened to Crystal Castles before, it's very similar to that. But yeah, it's just a vibe. <laughs> it introduced me to a lot of in interesting music that I like. All right, well, thank you everyone for listening to this episode of The Power of X. I've been your host, Scott Jenkins, and thank you, Sylvia, and thank you, Brendan. Pleasure to be here. Thank you as always. It's been lovely talking to you too. All right. We will catch up with you all next time. Thanks for listening to this episode of The Power of X. If you enjoyed this episode, please leave us a review on iTunes. It really helps us get noticed. You can also listen and subscribe on Stitcher, Spotify, and other podcast services. Make sure to check out the other shows on the Game Podular Network and Focus and Play State. Be sure to join our Discord server to interact with the lively Game Podular community. Follow us on Twitter, YouTube, and at Game Podular for updates, news, and other content. Links are in the show notes. If you'd like to support our shows, you can buy us a coffee or become a Game Podular Patreon. The details for both are on our website. Thanks. This episode was edited by me, and you can follow me on Twitter at TheScottyJMan. You can also follow Sylvia on Twitter at STWTWO, and you can follow Brendan on Twitter at ShiggyNinty. Thanks for listening. Toxic illusion Falling deeper spiral through time Static delusion This is where we do or die And I've been here before Face to face with the gun Up against all the odds
always knew.